John 5, 1 to 14. Now last week we read all 14 verses and and we read about Jesus um, and he's back in Jerusalem. And while he's there, he goes to the pool of Bethesda. There he meets up with a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. It is thought that there was healing power in the pool for the first one who would get in when it was stirred. And Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? The man did reply, Sir, I have no one to help me to get in the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. So now moving down to verse 13 and 14, we read, I'll read it to you, The man who was healed had no idea who it was who healed him, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Welcome back to Debbie DeVries Ministries. Now, we're not told a whole lot about the relationship between Jesus and this man. In fact, as I just stated, the man didn't know it was Jesus who healed him until Jesus came to him at the temple or in the temple. Now, while the man was in the temple or why the man was in the temple... We don't know. I like to think, I hope, that maybe he was there thanking God for the incredible miracle that he had just experienced. He went from being an invalid to having a body that pulsed with power and strength. He was able to walk, but we're not really told why he's there. So now, looking at this verse, verse 14, as much as I'd personally like to skip over the passage, especially for podcast purposes, um, and let me read it to you again. See, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. We can't. We can't skip over it. So for today, to the best of my ability, to the best of my ability, we're going to stop here and see what we can glean from this difficult, difficult passage. Now, some commentators believe it is clear that the passage, from the passage, that this man's illness was a result of some kind of sin in his life, while others believe that this man suffered because of the consequences of living in a broken, sinful world. At times, I suspect that both of these statements are true, but that, my friends, is way above my pay grade and yours as well. So I'm going to completely leave this in God's hands. I'm going to leave the wise, if you will, to God, because that's where they belong. But we can go back to the passage, and we can read that Jesus finds the man at the temple. Once again, Jesus seeks the man out. He healed the man physically, but now he's going to meet him to deal with his soul condition, the condition of his soul. We know this for certain. The man is guilty of some some sin that he had never given up. Jesus tells him he must stop sinning or face the possibility of greater consequences. And this is all that we're told. Now, bottom line, I want to point out that Jesus sought the man out. He sought him out to cure him physically. And now in the temple, the place of worship, a place of spiritual healing. And once again, this man is given an impossible task because you see, there was something far greater at risk than being an invalid for 38 more years, something far greater. So stop sinning, Jesus says. And we're not told how the man responds, but we are left to think about the principles that apply, that apply to you and I today because they're there. And we know from Jesus' words that the spiritual healing's value far surpassed the physical healing this man enjoyed. 
If he could walk, but he did not accept his spiritual healer as his savior, Jesus as his savior, what good would it be to be able to walk again? Now, last time they met in his physical ailment, this time Jesus meets the man in his sin sickness. Now, we're not told, or what we're not told is, if, if it's a, a specific behavior, so is the sin a specific behavior? And I'm actually going to call that habitual sin. Or is it the sin of unbelief? Theologians, again, have varying ideas, which means... It's something that God did not feel is important to reveal fully, fully to us. He tells us, however, what he wants us to know. And what he wants us to know is that this man has sin in his life and Jesus is telling him to stop, to stop, to stop sinning. In other words, um, a possible task is once again given. First, told to get up, pick up his mat and walk, and now stop sinning. So the question is, is Jesus capable of giving the same strength and power to get up and walk, figuratively speaking, out of whatever sin it is that is troubling this man? Sin is not cute. It is not to be rationalized or dismissed by our own accord. God is holy. He is holy. And he 100% cannot and will not tolerate it. He will not tolerate sin. But you see, he does have a cure. He does have a cure. And the cure for what is ailing this man is the healer right in front of him. Sin kills. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, there's a but there, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Jesus is a solution. Jesus is the cure. Sin is no longer, longer terminal. The impossible made possible. Psalm 103, verse 10 to 12, is beautiful. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or our sins from us. Isaiah 1 verse 18, again, beautiful. Jesus says, God says, come now, let us settle the matter. It's settled. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, if we were to meet Jesus, figuratively speaking, you and I, in the temple, and he were to say to us, stop sinning, what would he be talking about? What would he be talking about to you personally, to me? It is such a personal and such a hard question but one that needs honesty. And if you and I are willing to be honest, do you believe that Jesus is the cure and the solution to whatever it is that you know is sin in your life? Now, I know, I know that I am forgiven. I know that I am a child of God. I have no, um, no thoughts other than that. And I know that I want to live and walk through my life in a manner that is honoring and reflected of the high, high price that is paid for me out of thanksgiving. But I also know 
that I'm not very impressed with myself sometimes because I do the things I don't want to do. I say the things I don't want to say, and I think the things I don't want to think far more often than I care to admit. Yes, 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 I am forgiven. And nothing is going to change that. It has been settled once and for all. Now, I'm not not a sinless believer, and neither are you. However, because of Jesus, you and I are identified with Christ in his death and all that his death and resurrection means. So again, I say, and it's so important, nothing is going to change that. You are forgiven. I am forgiven. But then I think about a verse like Romans 6, verse 1 to 2, and it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now hear me well. Hear me really well. You and I are not going to get this right, this whole, this whole no sinning thing. We're just simply not able to. We, we live in sinful bodies, sinful nature, and we're going to struggle with it our sinful nature, until we are made perfect and whole by him, by Jesus. But until then, that does not give us the right to do what we want, when we want, because we are forgiven. So what do we do with this? What do we do with the sin no more? 1 Corinthians um, 10 verse 13 to 14 comes to mind. And it says, you're probably familiar with a voice, with a, with a verse. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. In other words, if you will, if you will, sticking with the theme, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now, the word temptation here in that passage means a putting to proof, it's a trial, but it also means a direct temptation to sin. So let me say that again. It also means a direct temptation to sin. You are forgiven. It is finished, and I cannot say that enough. It is finished, Jesus cried from the cross. But we still have to walk this earth, and we still live life in a broken, sinful world. And it's not pretty sometimes. We have these things we do habitually, and that is what I'm talking about the habitual sins. What do you struggle with? What do I struggle with? What are our go-tos? Is it gossip, slander? Are you or I a busybody, fouled mouth? How about laziness? Do you struggle with being truthful? Do you struggle with being kind or understanding or even thoughtful? Do you struggle with envy, selfishness, or even self-righteousness? Or is it a habit that you need to break? Is it an addiction? What is it? Where does your temptation to habitually sin lie? And if you're willing to be honest about that, are you willing to face whatever it is head on? And are you willing to listen to Jesus' seemingly impossible command, stop sinning? And trust fully that he who was able to get a man whose body was lame for 38 years up, and walking is able to be the healer you need, the help we need to stop doing 
or at the very least, the very least quick at, quicker at recognizing those things we do and get better at walking away from these things, these things that are called sin, because that's what they are, because God is faithful. And when you and I are tempted to sin, he will also provide a way out. Are you willing, am I willing to look for the way out? Are you willing to look to Jesus for your way out of whatever it is that weighs you down? Now the question is, do you believe that Jesus is capable of giving you the same strength and power to get up and walk, walk out of whatever sin it is that is troubling you. And for me, it's going to be a daily battle, I suspect. And I'm going to trust that Jesus will meet me and provide a way out in those areas of my life that he wants gone. And because he wants them gone, I want them gone too. So I'm going to trust that he is going to be there with me to battle and to give me a way out. How about you? How about you, my friend? Amen.